you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. And now, Move the Sticks. Ten takeaways from week five with Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Rhett Lewis. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by Zaxby's. DJ Bucky, Rhett, back with you here for our takeaway episode. And, uh, Buck, we lost... One big undefeated team this week and a little bit of a surprise, but still uh, some, some cream of the crop left here when you look at some of the remaining undefeated teams. How you doing, man? Man, I am great, DJ. It was a great weekend. And I think what we're doing, what we're seeing, teams really fall into their identity. Teams have gone through that four-game period that was really like the preseason, and now we're beginning to see teams play really good football. And guys, it was a weekend and a day where we got uh, the heartstrings pulled on both ends of the spectrum, seeing Alex Smith's, Alex Smith's comeback from injury as he gets back on the field for the first time in almost 700 days, and then a comeback just beginning now with Dak Prescott after his serious leg injury. So hoping all uh, works out well for Dak and the recovery, but a lot to get to for the Cowboys as well. Yeah, and that leads us right to our first takeaway here. Bucky, you've got it uh, having to do with that Cowboy win over the New York Giants. The Cowboys move on without Dak. It's a 34-yard kick to win the game. Good snap, good hold, the kick's up. It snakes inside the right upright, 
and the Cowboys win. Hey, this is a tough win for the Dallas Cowboys. They didn't play their best. The defense is still struggling. But offensively, I think what you're seeing is there's more than enough talent for the Cowboys to still win if their offense plays well. Andy Dalton played well, 9 for 11, did a great job of leading a game-winning drive. The trick is for this Dallas Cowboys team to have success without Dak, it has to be about Zeke, then the complimentary players coming through. Zeke Elliott has to be the focal point of the offense, and then the three-headed monster wide receiver Andy Dalton have to get it done, and they're going to have to be more aggressive with the defense. But in this division that they're playing in, they certainly are still good enough to win the NFC East. Yeah. And then, you you know, you wonder it's still a long ways off. But what beyond that? Right. I mean, this could be a, you know, a seven and nine team. This could be an eight and eight team at that point. Uh, I think you probably you're going to see from a football perspective, rely on, you know, Ezekiel Elliott a little bit more. And I think this throws a poll in the debate on just how much value and how much how many resources you want to put in to the backup quarterback spot. You know, we've seen people kind of take both sides of that. The Cowboys obviously are very fortunate now to have Andy Dalton. Uh, I, I do want to get back to Dak Prescott, though. I mean, unequivocal support and and good feelings sent towards him after seeing that injury, I think, speaks to the type of not only player, but the type of leader, the type of person that this young man is. I thought uh, Jerry Jones's statement was really nice, talking about the personal hardship and strife that he's faced and dealt with and overcome. I, I mean, absolutely right. You guys know in, in studying Dak leading up to the draft, I mean, this young man is – has seen more loss and emotional heartache than a 27-year-old should see uh, at this point in their lives. And with that in mind, it certainly feels like there's no player better equipped to come back from this type of situation than Dak, and certainly hoping that that's the case. Yeah, Dak, is as amazing as he has been throwing the football, running around, making plays, I think his toughness is, is his main uh, you know, attribute that he possesses. And I think you've seen that all throughout his life, as you mentioned, Rhett. And to me, uh, I have no doubts we're going to see Dak Prescott back on the field sooner than later, and he's going to be back to what he was previously. And the Cowboys are going to have to pony up and pay him a lot of money. Um, yeah. That's going to happen. So that, that that's where this thing is headed. Uh, all right, let's keep this going here. Second takeaway, I believe this is you, Rhett. What do you got? Yeah, so unbelievable should not be used to describe anything that Russell Wilson does. Wilson, deep drop, center of the end zone, is it? Caught, touchdown Seattle, DK Metcalf, unbelievable catch with Anthony Harris all over him. You've got to be kidding me. So, unlimited, maybe, but unbelievable, <laughs> no way. We, you just can't use it to describe Russell Wilson anymore. I mean, we're talking about his 30th game-winning drive since he's come into the league, now overtaking Matthew Stafford for the most game-winning drives over that time period since 2012 with 30. 30 game-winning drives. At this point, the only thing unbelievable about Russell Wilson's performance would have been if he didn't lead them to come back and win that game against the Vikings. I thought it was somewhat unbelievable that they didn't run away with it after scoring those 21 unanswered points to come back from the 13-0 deficit. Um, but look, credit to our pal Al Michaels, a friend of the program over on the Aftermath. We have him on the show a bunch. Chris Collinsworth, another great call on Sunday night. But even they use the term unbelievable because it's human nature. You just don't expect backs against the wall, that kind of performance, a couple of fourth down conversions, including the game-winning throw, the game-winning touchdown pass. Uh, the connection between Russell and DK Metcalf is unparalleled right now in football. And look, um, I, I just think that you, we've grown now to expect 
expect this sort of thing from Russell Wilson, the dramatic, the flair for the dramatic. And um, that, that's that's where it, it's turned to. You just the, the biggest part of it would be if he didn't figure out a way to make that happen down the stretch. That is what would have shocked me. Yeah, Ray, when you talk about Russell Wilson, he is remarkable. When they put the ball in his hands, especially in crunch time, he consistently finds a way to deliver. And he didn't have his A game. He had an interception. Uh, he wasn't necessarily in rhythm, but he found a way when they needed him to, to step it up. And I, I think the other side of the equation, the Seattle Seahawks defense, is not a defense that is like the Legion of Boom, but I will say this is the second example that we've seen in a must-stop situation they were able to get the stop. They did it against the Vikings. They did it again against the Patriots. It's not the best, but their situational defense is good enough to make this team a very, very dangerous team going forward. Yeah, I, look, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade. No uh, pun intended there with uh, talking about a Seattle team here. But if Dalvin Cook doesn't get hurt in this game, I, I, I think the Minnesota Vikings hold on. I think they get that one yard that they needed. I think Dalvin Cook's vision yeah. would have come into play on that last one. They convert the games over. I think Mike Zimmer made the absolute right call. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to just kick the uh, field goal eight points. You saw Russell Wilson did. They would have gone right down the field. They would have scored. They would have got a two-point conversion. You'd have been in overtime. So <laughs> I, I don't mind the aggressive uh, call there by Coach Zimmer trying to end the football game. Unfortunately for the Vikings, they just didn't have their, their stud back there in, in Dalvin Cook. So I, to me, as uh, impressed as I am with what Seattle's done, uh, Buck, I'll hit you up on this. Before the season started, if I said the Vikings were 1-4 through five weeks, I mean, are you buying that? Yeah, I'm a little surprised. And he, look, Mike Zimmer decided to make a lot of changes on his staff, and he put his son and Andre Patterson and named them co-defensive coordinators. They have a young defense that they're trying to get together. I will say this, though. I think he can build off of what happened on Sunday night. This is a team that certainly is finding their identity. They can run the football. The defense is getting better. You would like to think that Kirk Cousins would be able to make more plays, but he is what he is. But I think this team will be a team that has some say, maybe as a party pooper for some playoff teams down the stretch. But I think we'll see the Minnesota Vikings play near 500 ball by the end of the season. All right, let's, uh, let's keep it moving here. Let, let's go to my first takeaway here, and that's in Pittsburgh. Big win for the Steelers over the Eagles, the Battle of Pennsylvania. And, Clay, and uh, Chase Claypool, he's the new Plexico Burst. He throws it down the field. Oh, that is Chase Claypool into oh. the end zone for a Pittsburgh Steelers touchdown. Wide open from 35 out, and Ben kind of knew it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's a great. That's a great laugh, by the way. There, uh, look, they got Claypool lined up on Nate Jerry on that touchdown we just heard and saw there. Uh, great job scheme wise of being able to get him isolated on a linebacker. But to me, I, he has a little different play style than Plexico Burst, but it's the first real big physical receiver that Ben's had since then. With all the, you know, the Antonio Browns and the Emmanuel Sanders, and Juju's got decent size, but nothing like this. And Chase Claypool, even though he doesn't. You know, play similarly to the way Plexco would kind of go up above the rim. It just gives you physicality. It gives you physicality after the catch, and it's just a nice big body there for Ben to throw the ball to. So, uh, Buck, to me, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, we've talked about the Rams doing a great job of, of scouting wide receivers, but when it comes to scouting that position, nobody does it better than Kevin Colbert. No, Kevin Colbert and his staff do a great job. They do a great job of identifying wide receivers outside of the first round. I think the common denominator has to do with their toughness. I think when you look at the guys that they have successfully had, they all have a level of toughness, some physicality. They have some special traits that enable them to thrive in that system. 
And it's also easy to thrive when you have a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback and Ben Roethlisberger, who can consistently get you the ball within the strike zone. Yeah, Hook, I mean, I, I thought it was kind of interesting the way uh, they tried to attack this Philly defense. I mean, we saw Ray Ray McLeod get into the action, had a couple of explosive runs on some of that uh, that gadget stuff in the backfield, using Claypool in the run game as well. Um, I mean, I, I love watching, I mentioned it, what, two or three weeks ago on the Takeaway Pod uh, about the, you know, the Steelers' ability to draft receivers just continues to show up as they've remade this receiving core with four guys all drafted outside of the first round uh, that are proving to be a really potent bunch. And obviously it helps to have Ben Roethlisberger back there tossing it around to you. But um, this is a fun group to watch. And the Steelers are absolutely for real in the AFC right now with this kind of talent. I like that you mentioned that too about what they did with the run game. Chase Claypool on some of those jet sweeps. To me, it's, uh, it's nice to get not just a little quick receiver. We've seen it with Tyreek Hill. Uh, a lot of those, you know, Robert Woods has done it with the Rams. Yeah, but now you get a big guys. guy like that. This, this is a problem. When you get guys like him or, or somebody like a LaVisca Chenault, the rookie with Jacksonville as ball carriers, now you've got guys with, with big-time size. It's going to be difficult to get on the ground there. All right, Buck, what's your next one? The Cleveland Browns are for real. Rivers back to pass. Late pressure coming. Steps up, throws. That's going to be picked off. They got it down the sideline. Picked off by Ronnie Harrison. It's a pick six. Touchdown. When you look at the Cleveland Browns, they're 4-1. and one, And this 4-1 and one record is not a mirage. This is a team that is a legitimate uh, contender. Playoff contender, a team that is going to be there for the long haul. When I look at the way they're playing, they're a ground and pound team with a mix of play pass. When you look at the numbers, they were able to get over 30 rushing attempts. Baker Mayfield had 37 pass attempts, which is a little high on his pitch count. But because they're able to really balance it up and make you defend a 50-50 approach, they're able to dictate the terms, control the game, and they really punish you with a bunch of body blows. And oh, by the way, those temperamental receivers, Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, they have been buying in nine receptions, over 150 yards. These guys are still involved, and that makes for a very, very dangerous combination. Look, it's been fun to watch the Browns offense uh, in the different ways that they can beat you, especially, you know, on the ground and, uh, and what they were able to do last week against Dallas. And now even with Nick Chubb out, you know, I know Kareem Hunt didn't have as much success uh, with uh, the, the 20 carries that he got in this game. But still, um, it's there. The threat of it is there. The question that I have is on the other side of the ball here, and it's with Indianapolis. So, DJ, my question to you is where do we stand with Phillip Rivers right now, five games in? For the Colts? Well, I would say he's had some efficient games in the middle, yeah. uh, sandwiched around the opener against Jacksonville with costly turnover. Uh, you look at the, the game and, and this one, the pick six you just heard on the call, costly turnover. I mean, I don't think you're telling tales at a school to say that Phillip Rivers did not throw the ball with as much velocity as he used to. He's, he's definitely lost something there. I think their formula for them to win was for him to be efficient, not, not necessarily explosive. You can't turn the ball over. And, and this is a team that's built with their defense, their offensive line, to play a certain way offensively, and turnovers are not part of their winning equation. Right. So, yeah, you got to be a little bit nervous and a little bit concerned right now with, with what you've seen. I, I don't think necessarily you're going to see a hook coming out this week. Sure. But I would say it's something, you know, hey, Buck, I think you better you got to monitor this situation over the next couple of weeks because they feel like they're in their window right now, and if they deem that turnovers are, are what's holding them back – I would say all bets are off at that point in time. Yeah, I think this would be a tough one for Frank Wright, for Frank Wright because he has so much respect for Philip Rivers. And sometimes, DJ, we've talked about coaches 
reaching back in their past to bring on a player that they've had success with, sometimes those loving eyes can't see. And maybe he can't see Phillip Rivers' decline or his deterioration as a playmaker. But the turnovers are a legitimate concern. They've been a legitimate concern the last two, three, four years. I don't know if Phillip Rivers can rein it back. And I also don't know if he can see the decline in his play and pull it back based on where he is physically. Ultimately, the question becomes, is he doing enough to win you games to make you deal with the fact that the turnovers are, in fact, going to lose you games? That's a question that the Colts have to figure out for themselves there. Uh, You want me to get us to our next takeaway here? Number five. Let's go. On the day. Let's do it. The sun shines in Houston after the Texans' first victory. Watson stands in, throws over the middle, hits fouls across the 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, rock and roll, touchdown, Houston. 44 yards to Darren Fells. So I, I thought about using the Brandon was cooking tagline to honor <laughs> oh, our great oh, oh. tagline generators uh, here on this program, but I instead decided to pay uh, somewhat of a tribute to J.J. Watt's somewhat cryptic tweet on the Tuesday after Bill O'Brien's uh, firing as the head coach where he had that picture of the sun shining through NRG Stadium uh, on that Tuesday as they had this new beginning now with Romeo Cornell as the interim head coach. Read into it, whatever you will. But look, here, here's the deal. And we've seen it before with in-season coach firings, right? The next week, the interim guy, the interim coach get, you know, rallies the troops. They get a little bump. You know, this this seemed like maybe it was something a little bit bigger than that because this team has a lot more talent than teams we generally see make an in-season coaching change, right? They have enough talent to win some games and to not be one and four, even though they had a ridiculously difficult start to the season on the schedule. But the, the thing that I thought was interesting is it wasn't an overly, you know, outside of the, the big day from Brandon Cooks, wasn't an overly impressive offensive performance. He still had a couple of picks from Deshaun Watson, although he threw for over 350 on the day. Uh, I thought defensively, this is where we saw the impact. This is where we saw the best game, you know, of the week or of the season, rather, for the Texans defense. They got their first turnover. Look, yes, it came against the Jaguars, who have now allowed a team their first win on the season in three consecutive weeks. So there's problems there in Jacksonville, but I thought this was a step in the right direction, at least for the Texans defense moving forward here, guys. Yeah, I think it was definitely a step in the right direction. I'm going to go and I pay close attention to their offense. I think you could tell that Deshaun Watson had more input on the way this offense was rolling. Uh, Tim Kelly did a really good job of more quick game, more rhythm game. Uh, It looked a lot like the stuff that we used to see Deshaun Watson do at Clemson in terms of get the ball out of his hands, let the playmakers do the work, and they were really working out. He needs to play better. He has to rein in the turnovers. But I think offensively, it looked like a mix. And oh, by the way, David Johnson had a solid day. If they can balance out this offense just a little bit, I do believe it takes some of the pressure off Deshaun Watson, and he does become a more efficient player when the offense rolls like that. All right, quick quick uh, question for both of you guys. Better job now that Atlanta has opened up. Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov uh, were let go yesterday. So better job if you're a head coaching candidate. Is it Atlanta or is it Houston? Bucky and then Rhett. Whew. Um, I would take Houston because the quarterback is younger. And I feel like with the younger quarterback who's athletic, he can make me right if I have some O-line issues. I feel like with Matt Ryan, you have to make a decision. How can I build his team around an aging quarterback who's not necessarily falling off, but I think 
it's closer to the end for Matt Ryan than certainly for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, look, I'd love to disagree uh, just for the fun of it, but but I can't really. I, I do feel like the, the other thing you have to take into account, though, is the draft pick uh, value, the, the, the amount of draft picks that both teams have moving forward. Obviously, Atlanta is going to be a bit ahead in that department, whereas the trades have kind of put the Texans behind the eight ball. But I do feel like they are in a better, a better spot to make a, a quicker recovery at this point because you've got the quarterback in place, as you mentioned. And for the, for the Falcons, yeah, there's going to be some real tough decisions here moving forward. So I, I know I, I kind of side, side with the Texans on this one. I think, it's too, I think it's kind of complicated because I think if you're wanting to turn something around quick and get up and running and be a playoff team next year, Houston is going to be your opportunity to do that. But I do think in Atlanta, real quick, that that's a long-term rebuild to me it's yeah. a tear down job you're gonna you're gonna move on you're gonna matt ryan that whole era is over but if you look inside that division you've got aging quarterback in new orleans you've got an mm-hmm. aging quarterback in tampa so if you're looking kind of for the long-term play if you can get some security i think you can make a case that atlanta could be a pretty darn good job especially uh if you end up with as it stands right now what i think the first pick in the draft the first or second pick in the draft, you're going to get a big-time young quarterback to start your rebuild, Buck. And not only that, you'll get a quarterback that grew up in the state of Georgia if it's Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields because they're right around that Atlanta How area. about that? It might work out for the Atlanta Falcons. Wow. Yeah, as always, Bucky, Bucky Brooks putting a little bow on things. Nicely done, Buck. <laughs> All right, let's keep it moving here with the sixth takeaway. And this one comes from the New York Jets, who continue to be winless <laughs> on the season. My takeaway <laughs> Uh, Sam Darnold is not the problem. From the pocket, deep pass, left side going for Hopkins. One-handed catch and a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins was blanketed by a jet, but it don't matter. Hopkins makes the catch. All right, so the New York Jets have seen what life is like with Sam Darnold, and let's be honest, it's been underwhelming. They have not won a lot of football games. There's frustration uh, with the fan base. Understandably so. He's gotten a lot of the blame. Now, let's look at what happens when Sam Darnold is not on the football field for the New York Jets over the last couple years. You're talking about seven starts now that he's missed due to various reasons. The Jets are 0-7 in those games. Three of those games have been with Todd Bowles. Four of those games have been with Adam Gase. The average score for for that time is 11.1 points per game. That's what that offense is producing. And it, it gets worse with Gase. It's 8.3 points per game. You're basically getting a touchdown uh, of offense when Sam Darnold is not playing. I do not really care for this scheme. I, don't, I know they need to add playmakers, and I'm sure they'll get to that down the line. I think the offensive line is a little bit better. But to me, this is not about what quarterback's on the field when you have this type of futility, Bucky. No, no, no. I, I think it's bad. And I think we have gotten to the point where when we look at Adam Gase and what he has done offensively, first with the Miami Dolphins, then with the Jets. I just don't know if we can say that he is an offensive mastermind or quarterback guru or the like. They just have a tough time putting points up. And at some point, you would like to see a wizard try to take what he has and still stretch it out and get something out of it. We watched the Giants find a way to manufacture 34 points, and they don't have any playmakers. The Jets, we never see an explosion like that. And so as you talk about Sam Donald, because there has been a lot of conversation about Sam Donald, before you can even talk about the quarterback, you got to look at the head coach and the offensive play caller, and you have to wonder, is this guy good enough to elevate the quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you that, it, look, it hasn't, it hasn't worked. Whatever it is, it hasn't worked. But, I mean, you, you mentioned the Giants. 
tell me right now that Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, and Golden Tate don't make a far better wide receiver core than the than the Jets are trotting out there right now. I know Ingram obviously from the tight end spot, but look, he's mm-hmm. he's a pass catcher, right? I mean, like the, the, outside of Jamison Crowder. I mean, I'm having trouble naming Jets wide receivers right now. Uh, I know Braxton Berrios is out there, you know, doing some stuff. But, I mean, they're they're depleted. I mean, where are we right now? We're de- Without Makai Becton out there at left tackle, where's this offensive line stand in the in the ranks of the NFL offensive lines right now? I mean, are they... Well, look, I would say with Becton, they were playing like a, you know, top half, like 15, yeah. somewhere right in the middle. I would say anywhere is you're probably around 20. Yeah. But I don't know, right? I, I look around the league. I know they didn't win. But when I see Travis Fulgham catching 10 balls for 152 yards and yep. I see the 49ers come in and play the Jets without any of their players and yeah. find ways that's to win football just, that's games. That's tough to reconcile. I, I don't. I mean, at some point in time, you accidentally got to fall into some performance. You know, just make it work. And I can't I – can't, and, Bucky, we've talked about this before. I, how do you explain the fact that when guys left Miami and went somewhere else, they got better? How do you explain that Robbie Anderson looks like a much better version of himself with the Carolina Panthers than what we saw with the Jets? I mean, they, should they have re-signed Robbie Anderson? Probably. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely they should have re-signed him. But he's, he's already a much better player in Carolina than he ever was with the Jets. I mean, I, I don't know how you get around that. Let me ask you this. No. Is, is Le'Veon Bell a, a Jet at the trade deadline? Who, who's going to want him? Yeah, I mean, I mean old, I old running backs. Who wants old running backs? And I'm not saying he's you know 35 years old, but I'm just saying guys that have a lot of tread on their tires. We've seen it. The league's gone away from that. And I think, and this uh, we can get way offline here, but I mean, Buck, <laughs> when, when you look at when you look at what the Carolina Panthers, who we're just talking about, have done without Christian McCaffrey, you know, arguably the best yeah, running back, one of the top two or three running backs in the NFL, and they're playing better without him. I, who's going to part with picks for Le'Veon Bell? That's not going to happen. No, it's not. And that comes down to coaching, DJ. You brought up that example. It's coaching. Great coaches are able to take what they have and find a way to make it better. And right now, the New York Jets certainly haven't been able to do so. All right. What we got? What we got next here? Who's up Bucky. next? Bucky, you up? Oh, oh, I got it. The Raiders put the league on notice. Chiefs rush five. Cars going for the home run ball. Got a man open. It's Ruggs. There he is. Ruggs. Touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Jackpot! Vegas leads it! Oh man, that, that just brings a smile to my heart. It makes me want to go, Raiders! It's been so <laughs> long since the Raiders have been back, and I feel like they put the league on notice, and part of it is due to John Gruden giving this offense an identity. They were balanced. Derek Carr threw the ball 31 times, had over 300 yards, but they ran it 33, 35 times. And so the balance allowed them to play keep away because time of possession, over 35 minutes. And so the best way to defend Pat Mahomes is to not let Pat Mahomes get on the field. That's what the Raiders have done. And when they've won these games against the Chiefs and the Saints, it's because they've been able to play ball control football and really dictate the terms. We saw them do it against the Chiefs. I think they certainly are putting the building blocks towards a team that is surging towards being a playoff contender. Yeah, this was interesting for me. You know, it's not often you see somebody outduel Patrick Mahomes, but I mean, Derek Carr did with the deep ball. Love it. Uh, love to see Nelson Aguilar uh, catch one and outrun uh, Tyron Matthew in the Chiefs secondary to the end zone. Same for Henry Ruggs. Um, and then you also, I thought it was cool to see Henry Ruggs go up and make contested catches, proving to people that, you know, just think of him as a speed guy, that he can go up there and make a big time grab, catching that one ball off Fenton's helmet. Uh, down the right sideline to help set up a field goal there for the for the Raiders. So, and then I, I thought it was really cool to watch them, 
you know, after all the flash and dash to get some of those big plays, absolutely ground this clock in this game uh, to a stop with the way they, they picked up, what, 20-something yards on eight plays in the final three minutes and 57 seconds. That is the definition of four-minute offense to win a game on the road, a place you haven't won since 2012, a team you haven't beat if you're John Gruden or Derek Carr in the last two years. So uh, I thought this was, a, this was a pretty cool win all around for the Raiders. Yeah, I watched this game on TV. I haven't had a chance to go back and watch the All-22, but one of the things I, I'm looking forward to doing is going back and looking up that shot play to Emmanuel Sanders that the 49ers missed in the Super Bowl and see if there's any similarities to what the Raiders were mm-hmm. able to do in this game because they definitely did not miss when they got that shot. And I, I think this is the winning formula for them going forward, and that is being able to pound the ball, pound the ball. They did that last year. Josh Jacobs ran the ball well. But you should be able to pay that off with big chunks down the field. Once you get bodies committed to stop the run, make them pay for dedicating those bodies down in the box. Make them pay over the top. And I think that's why Mike Mayock went out and got rugs, because they wanted somebody you know, to be able to make you pay for, for putting more guys down there. And I think that that was a, a great indication of, of what they want to do and what their vision was for building this football team, Buck. Yeah, absolutely, DJ. We've talked about it. When you're in the AFC West, you have to build your team to knock off the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Raiders are perfectly constructed to a team that is a thorn in the Kansas City Chiefs' side. That physical run game, the ability to take it down the field with the vertical passing game to Henry Ruggs and others, and then having an efficient quarterback that can take care of the football, that is the way that you have to play. You cannot let Pat Mahomes get too many bites at the apple. The Chiefs are too good. The ball control methods that the Raiders displayed, that is the recipe for success going forward. What we got, Rhett? All right, next takeaway uh, up for me, guys, is, uh, well, the Ravens' defense befuddled Joe Burrow. Burrow throws to his left. It is complete to Mike Thomas. Thomas fumbles the ball. The Ravens have it. Scooped up in midfield. It's Patrick Queen down the sideline. He's to the 20, the 10, 5, touchdown, Ravens! Patrick Queen! So this kind of felt like one of those um, an additional welcome to the NFL moment if you're if you're Joe Burrow. And look, I know he's a guy that that prides himself on, you know, remaining cool, calm and and, under, and collected under all situations and in all situations. But and he very well might have. But the fact is, they put pressure on him in a in a way that he has not seen yet. Now he has been hit and sacked at a record pace so far this season, but I felt like this was just a little bit different. Um, really struggled in the first quarter, was uh, 0 for 3 with an interception versus the Blitz in the first quarter. In this game on throws where he was really under pressure, one of six, uh, he just one completion through the interception. Uh, I just thought that Wink Martindale fi- found a way to generate pressure a little more unorthodox, uh, a little in a un- more unorthodox fashion than Burrow had seen thus far. And look, yeah, he should be able to find ways with that amount of talent on defense, that, those, that many guys who can rush the passer, to find a way to cause some confusion you know, for Burrow. I mean, you saw the, the free rusher right in Burrow's face caused the interception by Marcus Peters. Then you had his old buddy Patrick Queen over there just harassing him all over the place with the strip sack on the one that he recovered himself. And then Queen finds his way into the end zone. Um, look, I just I, I thought that this is one of those games where Joe Burrow is going to sit back there and understand that, you know, his offense has has a little ways to go before, you know, they are 
you know, considered you know among the best in this league. And same goes for his offensive line. And he's going to sit back and he's going to learn from this and and go back and see that you know there's a there's a lot that a defense can throw at you in the NFL. And uh, I thought you saw that truly from this Ravens defense in this game. Look, the Ravens defense has played outstanding. They've been pretty consistent all year. I am worried about the Ravens offense. I don't like Lamar Jackson throwing as many times as he's been throwing in these games. And I think it's really on Greg Roman to understand the identity of the Ravens, who they are, how they need to play, and why they need to stick with the run game. We have seen time and time again in these big games, they skew away from their formula and their recipe. And I just hope that Greg Roman is mindful that they are a run first team, a run second team, a run third team, (laughs) and then the option is to pass. Because when they deviate from that, the Ravens are a very vulnerable team. You guys notice every highlight we show has an LSU rookie in it. Just a just a side point there. Yeah. I mean, how many how many LSU rookies we got in this league right now? Goodness, maybe that's why the LSU is not playing well. Um, yeah, I think we might be on to something. Probably something, has something right to do there. with it. Uh, all right, I'm going to keep it moving here. Aaron Donald dominates. It was easy. At the 46 yard line, here comes the rush. Donald gets there. A hat trick for Aaron. Holds up Alex Smith as they blow the play dead. Yeah, that was one of three sacks that Aaron Donald had on Wes Martin, who went to a school to remain nameless. Um, And then he ended up getting another sack later on. So he ended up four sacks in this game. I I only say that, Rhett, because when I posted some plays of Malik Jackson um, hitting the quarterback in the Washington game earlier this year, I posted like three or four plays. and I'm like, Malik Jackson is back. He looks great. And I got a couple texts from people in the league that said, uh, yeah, Wes Martin is not good, by the way, DJ. So don't <laughs> oh, go too on. crazy on that. So this is the next time I've really paid attention to Wes Martin uh, from Indiana, Rhett's alma mater, and he gave up a hat trick to Aaron Donald. Uh, uh, not the first not guy to have that, that, that distinction, by the way, okay? <laughs> uh, no, but it was, oh, man, they were quick losses. And then the uh, the fourth one was on the other side when you had a guard taking a, a vertical set versus a uh, Aaron Donald who had about eight yards worth of runway. I was like, this <laughs> is not going to end well. Uh, but he's uh, Buck, he's got, a chance to, he's got a chance to beat the sack record this year. I think he's got seven and a half now. Hey, he's a dominant player. And I'm going to say this, tip of the hat to Sean McVay and what he was able to do in the offseason. There was a lot of controversy when he decided to move on from Wade Phillips when he kind of changed what he wanted to do offensively. Kevin O'Connell comes in. But the Rams look like the team that we saw in 2018. They're able to get after you on defense, offensively. They've embraced the running game while still taking shots in the passing game. And as we look at this NFC West, we've talked about the San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals. But we need to make sure that we keep an eye on the L.A. Rams. The L.A. Rams have found a way to make themselves relevant again. Might want to keep an eye on them as one of these contenders that could emerge out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, you know, look, I agree with you. I think the Rams are really going to challenge in the NFC West for sure, especially considering the way the 49ers are playing right now and the injuries that they're dealing with. But this game, to me, was about the comeback coming full circle for Alex Smith. Almost 700 days uh, since he suffered that serious lower leg injury that caused the subsequent 17 surgeries and forced him to miss the, all of last season, the better part of the season before. And you remember when Washington, when he went down, Washington was in first place in the NFC East. I believe they won just five games since he went out of the lineup that year for them. And then he comes back in and look, they still lost the game. But, uh, you know, he threw a completion. You saw his family in the stands. And it's like, I, 
watching their calling the highlights on game day live yesterday on NFL network during the game, I'm sitting there. I felt like I was sitting right next to his wife. Like, all right, got a completion. Here we go. All right. Oh boy. Oh, here we go. Aaron, you know, it's like, I kind of felt it too. I think we've all kind of felt um, for Alex Smith in the time since that injury and all that he's had to, to go through to get back. And I thought it was great to see him out there. Um, you know, obviously hate to see it come at the expense of a Kyle Allen injury. I hope he can get back into the lineup here as well, but Man, that was really cool. Um, and those are one of those cool storylines we get to hear about here and we get to cover in the NFL. And uh, I was just happy to see Alex Smith back out there. Yeah, no, it's definitely a feel-good story there. Um, man, I do, though. I just, every time he's under pressure, I, yeah, I watch it. Cringe just, a little I, bit. Just yeah. be careful, man. Oh, man, be careful. Uh, all right, our last one here, number 10, Bucky, what we got? Is the Jimmy G era over? Garoppolo back to throw. Gets it off. Pressure overthrown. And the Dolphins pick it off again. Xavier Howard down the sideline, 25-20, and down to the 19-yard line. DJ, I, I don't know what to do with this. I'm looking at the San Francisco 49ers, and their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, is poor at halftime. And I know he was dealing with a, an ankle injury that may have impacted the way that he played, but I'm just not used to seeing a franchise quarterback pulled in the middle of a game to, quote-unquote, protect him. And so we've had these conversations before about Jimmy Garoppolo and how each and every week it just seems like, man, he just happens to miss a throw that's wide open. And it just doesn't necessarily seem like it jives within the system. So I just wonder, I just wonder if there's a little buyer's remorse with the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. And I wonder how long this marriage is going to continue to exist in the Bay Area. Well, look, I, I think, yeah, you got to kind of now wonder what do the 49ers do here in the next couple of weeks moving forward? If the ankle was that bad to help influence that kind of performance from Garoppolo, I, I would imagine we don't see him again until he is 1000% healthy. I mean, whether it takes a month, whether it takes six weeks, I don't think there's any way you can let in. And look, I think uh, Jim Trotter was talking to us on our aftermath production call earlier today. He said he talked to a 49ers coach and looked at the, the competitor within Garoppolo was fighting to play the week before. He was fighting to play this week, wanted to get out there for his teammates, seeing how things went against the Eagles the prior week with Bethard coming in for Mullins and dealing with the quarterback uncertainty. And, and so, yeah, he was less than 100 percent. I get that. Um, but I don't think there's any way he can come back out there without being fully 100 percent and not worrying about that ankle at all. And I don't think he can truly make a real evaluation one way or another if you're Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and that crew until you see that again at full strength. All right. I want you guys to hear my theory here. We're going to exercise some demons. We've got. At, let's go back. We've got Atlanta, 28-3, to oh Super Bowl win. They lost. You've got the 49ers have a lead in the Super Bowl, blow a lead late, and they lose. The person calling the plays for both of those games is Kyle Shanahan. Now, to, to put all that to, to bed and to, to fix everything in the world, all you have to do is walk away from Jimmy G's contract after the year, which is not going to be much of a cap hit, you make the move. It's probably not going to cost you too much to make the trade for Matt Ryan, who was the quarterback of those Atlanta Falcons. He teams back up with Kyle Shanahan. They go on to the Super Bowl. They have a big lead, and they hold yeah, it. They hold it. And They're then everything has been solved. It's all done. There, we've solved all your problems, Buck. I mean, that is a good scenario. I, I didn't see that coming, but that's a nice way to connect the dots. Um, DJ, I think what we're seeing from the San Francisco 49ers is what is common for teams that lose. 
is a part of the Super Bowl hangover. As much as we can di- dismiss it and say that it doesn't exist, it does because it's very, very hard to be that close to winning and not pull it off. And so the next year, things don't necessarily fall the same way. Injuries come into it. The play is not necessarily what it was the season before. And so the San Francisco 49ers are just struggling, trying to figure out how to make it right with all of the change and the losses that they have from a personnel standpoint. This is a challenging situation, but I do think we have to look at the quarterback and figure out, is he going to be good enough to be a long-term answer in San Francisco going forward? Yep, something to keep an eye on there. It's going to be a quarterback carousel. We're going to have a bunch of head coaching jobs. We've already seen a couple GM GM jobs jobs, pop open. Yeah, it's going to be a, I mean, we're only five weeks into the season. I can't wait for the offseason. It's going to be fantastic to see all the different movement we're going to have take place. Uh, it's going to be wild. But, man, what a great weekend of football. Uh, fun show today, Buck. Uh, man, it's, uh, there's so many good storylines going on in the National Football League right now. And it feels like we can, we can do an hour show. We can do a 10-hour show if we needed to. Yeah, absolutely. So many good things going on. I'm really excited, man, because we're, right, we're getting to the heart of the football season. This is when the best football will start to be played. Yeah, five weeks in the books. We're starting to figure out who the good teams are, who are the real Super Bowl contenders, and who are the disappointing teams, uh, which the line is a little longer than uh, I think some teams would uh, would like to admit there. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for us. I want to encourage you guys to check out all of our Move the Six audio content. You can find the podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever uh, you get your podcasts. You can also find all of our video content at youtube.com slash NFL podcast. You can watch the, the video version of the podcast uh, those are stored there as well. Also, NFL.com slash MTS video. So uh, lots of things for you to check out with the Move the Sticks content. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, a lot of fun here on Move the Sticks presented by Zaxby's. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. 
Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.